Next on BYU Sports Nation, one win, one loss. Right on par with most offseason expectations. So why all the panic for BYU football? After the loss to Cal this past Saturday, BYU players took matters into their own hands. Why, this is a great sign for the season. Plus, a number one ranking, 32 years in the making. Appreciate the view from the top. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, your host. Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday, September 11th, wherever and however you're connected. Always nice to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton teamed up with a man who straight up wants Bama, Jason Shepard. I do? Well, you got close to Bama this weekend. It's the number six team in the country, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want Bama. Uh... <laughs> now, let me rephrase yes, that. Yes, Jason wants Bama for BYU women's volleyball. Yes. And every other team, for that matter. I, I would love to see that matchup between Heather Olmstead and Nick Saban. <laughs> <laughs> My money is on Heather. Oh, they're both really stern. Maybe there's something to that. An absolutely top-tier show today. BYU national champion quarterback Blaine Fowler, dual-threat analyst in 15 minutes. Why he's not panicked over BYU football. And Jason, can anybody change Jerem Jordan's mind about whether or not the BYU football scheduling philosophy is too difficult between the lines with a full-scale investigation? You, you, you and I both know the answer to that. And fullback Braden L. Bakri <laughs> will join the show in 40 minutes, what he thinks is the toughest challenge that number 6 Wisconsin poses. We now present today's top stories across BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars begin practice again as they now near one of the best college football teams in the country, Wisconsin. More on why the Badgers just may be better this year, according to head coach Kalani Satake. We'll get to that at the bottom of the hour. Kickoff set for Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Better? Well, that's just fantastic. Yeah. Ziggy Ansah had a sack, three solo tackles, a tackle for loss, and a QB hit in the Detroit Lions' 48-17 loss to the New York Jets on Monday Night Football. Ouch. BYU Women's Volleyball now officially ranked number one in the AVCA coaches poll for the first time since 1986. The Cougars are 8-0 with wins over three top 25 teams. Stanford, USC, Marquette. They're hoping for a fourth top 25 win when they host 24th-ranked Utah this Thursday in the Smithfield House. And honorary Cougar Tony Finau has been named to the Ryder Cup team. Finau is the final pick by U.S. Captain Jim Furyk. Well-deserved Tony Finau, Mr. Top 10. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. All right, every poll we sent out, every prediction we asked for, and every educated guess we asked you to make during that long offseason following a 4-9 season essentially came back with a consensus of BYU football with a new offensive staff, revamped ideology, 
starting with one win and one loss. I know a lot of you thought the one loss would, or that opening loss would happen against Arizona and then BYU would rebound against Cal. It was the opposite. But still, one and one. We expected BYU to be one and one. So, Jason, why so much panic? I get that the lack of offense against Cal makes people worry that last year is going to happen again, but just stop it. I mean, yes, BYU should have won the game. But quite frankly, Cal played a lot better than I expected them to play. But yes, BYU should have won the game. They know that. They've said that. Going 2-0 would have been great. It would have been a great way to start the season, but it didn't happen. Being 1-1 one and one after two games is what, like you mentioned, what almost everybody thought was going to happen. The only difference is the games were different. Like you said, most people expected, because they were a dog at Arizona, a two-touchdown underdog, that they would lose that game and then win at home. Reaction to every poor performance can't be, it's 2017 all over again. That's not fair to this year's team. BYU didn't play well against Cal. They know it. They admitted it. That doesn't mean that the sky is falling. The wounds of a 4-9 and nine season, whether people want to say are gone or BYU's moved on, are clearly still evident. Yes. Based on the second half offensive letdown that BYU had against Cal. All of that traumatic experience, those horrible memories came flooding back. And I understand. It's still fresh it happened last year but BYU did something that they didn't do last year and that was the effort remained higher than I can previously remember this team didn't quit I saw no quit in BYU's team even though things were going really really poorly in terms of offensive execution they didn't quit they had a shot at the end I know it was an 11 point game with 51 seconds to play they scored a touchdown They had all three timeouts left. They still unbelievably had some glimmer of hope in a game where I don't think they're going to play more poorly on offense than they did in that game for the rest of the year, including against Wisconsin. I mean, it it was not good. Not good. In the first half, and again, let's reverse roles. Let's say Tanner Mangum has a terrible first half, okay? okay? He has what he did in the second half. Put that in the first half. Okay. But then he bounces back with the first half he played in the second half. Are people showing as much panic? Recency bias is a real thing. Tanner Mangum played pretty well in the first half. Now, if he had done that in the second half and been awful in the first half, I don't think that there would be as much panic. Last year has scarred every BYU fan because... It messed everything it, up. It, it, it messed everybody's psyche up because it's, it's almost like 50 years of doing things one way and results going a certain way were washed out because of one season. I understand it hurt, and it it was totally unexpected. But it cannot be every single negative thing that happens, oh, here goes 2017 again. You can't do that every time. It's not fair to this team. This is a different team. It's got different elements to it. It was a bad game. They they know they should have won the game. We. They should be 2-0. Yes, they weren't. This is not time to panic. Oh, yeah, you know, an ugly loss. There's no way around it, and it's, it's a difficult one to swallow because now you've got to go play Wisconsin. People want answers, 
and I just don't think they're going to get a ton against one of the best teams in the yes, country on the road. It's very difficult to get the answers you're looking for against the number six team. After Saturday's loss to Cal, the BYU coaches went into the locker room with the intention of talking to the team as they do after every game, win or lose. Instead of having to keep the morale up, they found that the players themselves had taken that responsibility of doing it already. Yeah, you know, uh, Tristan, Tristan Hodge got up and spoke to the team and really passionate and fired up just about sticking together and being better and doing things the right way during the week and, and uh, you know, uh, speaking more for himself and the offense than anything else, but just as far as um, the, the, the unity that they have and just keeping it together, I uh, feel like we have a good thing going and one loss can't tear us apart. We've just got to continue to push the right way. Takeaway from Tristan Hodge taking over the locker room after the loss to Cal. Well, it's a good sign that a young player feels like he can do that and strongly enough to address a bunch of his older teammates and the entire team. So I like that that forum is set up and that BYU has a guy that feels passionate enough to get up and do that. What's unfortunate is that this type of discussion needs to happen this early in the 2018 season. I, I wish it weren't that way, but... Because of what we talked about in our opening trending topic of BYU losing a game that they feel like they should have won, here's Tristan Hodge uh, setting up himself up for accountability, holding himself accountable, trying to fire up his other guys. So, yeah, it's good, but I'm not ready to say, oh, yeah, things are different now. <laughs> it's going to be that this is going to be the turning point of the season. BYU had very emotional team meetings last year, multiple, in fact. Uh, I'm interested to see how this, if it will be at all, how this will be different compared to the emotional approaches last year from player-run meetings. The very first thing that came into my mind as soon as I heard this and that it was Tristan was I am not surprised at all that Tristan is the guy doing this. Oh, you know his personality. This, his personality is perfect for this. He's, he's, he's a funny guy, and people, you know, you love to be around him, but he also knows when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. He's very serious about what he does on the football field. And, and this is a guy that wants the best for everybody. He puts in the extra work, and I'm not saying he's the only one, but I'm just saying coming from him, it didn't surprise me at all that he was involved in this. But it also shows me that they, all of the players are aware how important player involvement and the accountability is amongst themselves. We talked about that all offseason, how the accountability factor was, was higher this season. And we're seeing it amongst the players. And I think that's where it's even more important than, than coaches to players. And then finally, the players know the importance of not letting one bad performance derail a season. Like you said, it's, very, it's too early to like, oh, this is the turning point. But I think they realize because of some of the issues last year, one loss can be just that, one loss. Don't let it, you know, creep into other games down the road. Try and get it out of the way now. Yeah, don't let it snowball. Yes, exactly. Well, and Sione Takitaki referenced that, joining the player conversation. Tristan Hodge just kind of gathered us up and gave us a little speech. He was just telling us, you know, this is behind us now. You know, we, can, we can't change anything that, um, that happened on the field. You know, we took a loss, and uh, we're going to have to move on. We've got a good team coming up that we've got to prepare for, Wisconsin. And so um, just letting us know we, gotta, we just got to keep moving, you know, take our, take our licks like a man and uh, keep going. 
Again, unfortunate that this type of conversation had to happen early in the season. And it also is not favorable to BYU that they have the bounce back game against probably their toughest opponent of the entire season. Like that is it, it's yes, it's a it's a bad week to be trying to bounce back. Which leads me to wonder, okay, well, if Wisconsin is the number six team in the country and BYU is a three touchdown underdog, if not more, how are they going to what what would qualify as a bounce back, as a step forward, as success, as a moral victory? What what but qualifies? Look, look, here's the deal. Whether whether people want to believe it or not, regardless of what chances you think BYU has at Wisconsin, the BYU players and coaches are going into this week absolutely with the mindset of upsetting Wisconsin. They should. That's it's, like it's like it doesn't matter. What's the point? It doesn't matter if everybody else is looking at moral victories. It does that's not what this team is that's looking at. That's what we at. do. That this team is going in and preparing to upset the number 6 team at Camp Randall Stadium. Now, here's a reality check for you, Jason. BYU women's volleyball has the target firmly affixed to their back. There will be no upsetting for BYU women's volleyball because they are the number one ranked team in America for the first time in 32 years. you got to rewind to 1986. BYU has three top 25 wins. They beat number one ranked Stanford at the time. Then they go to the Market Invitational Milwaukee. They sweep through number 10 USC, and they handle the host team Marquette in four sets. Now BYU is trying to make it four top 25 wins when they host Utah on Thursday. Can we just step back and appreciate the fact that BYU has a number one ranked team on campus in a sport with 330 Division I teams? They are at the top. Jason, what do you think about all of this? <laughs> First of all, I want you to imagine that this is this – is, uh, imagine this is the foam finger that says we're number one. That's what I'm holding right now. That's awesome that they are number one. They entered the year – at number eight. Even though they won, they dropped a spot back down to number nine. Then they jumped up to number three after beating Stanford. As they now should. up to number one after what you mentioned, the, the Marquette Invitational in Milwaukee. Not only is this team really good, they are dominant. And the really cool thing is they've got a, a team full of experienced veteran players but also young players that are playing significant roles. So it is a really nice mixture of both. Th- this year is a new year. They're not worrying about what they what didn't happen last year, and I think having that mindset is fantastic. Mary Lake told me, we don't look at this year as an extension of last year. This is completely different. It's a different group. It's a different set of circumstances, and they're, they have jumped in with both feet, and boy, are they playing really good. And as you mentioned, they host Utah on BYU TV, by the way, on Thursday night. Good gravy. Heather Olmstead has a dynasty working within BYU women's volleyball. I mean, and, and to set that up, let's go to our stat of the day, shall we? Please. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU women's volleyball has been ranked for 77 consecutive weeks. In the AVCA coaches poll dating back all the way to October 7th of 2013. Wow. Heather Olmstead has a win percentage of 900. 90%, Jason. (laughs) It looks fake. Whenever we pull that graphic up on all of the live broadcasts, I'm like, is that right? Is that a typo? No, no, that's the real deal. 
she's really that successful as the head coach. She's fantastic. I mean, the, the Olmsteads as a family have done an unbelievable job with BYU men's volleyball and women's volleyball, 77 consecutive weeks, and now they are number one for the first time since 1986. BYU's been to six straight Sweet 16s. In that run, they had a magical run to the national championship in 2014, coming up just short. They finished that season, obviously, number two. When I opened the season, when I began the season and prepared to, to call games this year, I thought, okay, the next step would be BYU getting to probably an Elite Eight, maybe a Final Four. Man. When you're the number one team in the country, expectations are shifting. This team is well-equipped to handle this. They are very good. All right, now to our question of the day. People not panicking about BYU women's volleyball, that's for sure. They're excited. <laughs> but it's a different story for BYU football. The Cougars are 1-1, one one, which most of us expected them to be at this juncture. So why so much panic? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. All right, first response in from at SV Utility. I think everyone needs to pump the brakes. This is still the first year in a new offense with a new coordinator. Nobody should overreact. Things take time, which is why we need more patience. Temper expectations. Not fair to the team or coaches to expect the moon. After Arizona... Most everyone got really excited. Yes. Oh, maybe BYU can win eight games. Ourselves <gasps> included. Could BYU win nine games? Stop. Stop it. Uh, undefeated? Okay. BYU loses okay. to Cal. <laughs> now all of a sudden the pendulum swings back to BYU's going four and eight. What? Can it be somewhere in the middle? Which is exactly where we thought it would be. A six or seven, maybe seven win team this yes. year. They split the first two. Which puts them in good position to still win six to seven games. We'll read more of your responses coming up a little bit later on in the show. Again, use the hashtag BYUSN on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All right, coming up. If you've ever tried, you know it's impossible to change Jerem Jordan's mind, but people are going to try in between the lines. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> and next, Uncle B, Blaine Fowler, dual threat analyst, national champion, back in Studio B. Uh, it says here that he and Jason might have a flex off. I'm going to go ahead and boycott that. Uh, veto, I'm in. as a matter of fact. I'm in. Uh, and we're going to talk some BYU football as well. Is he ready to panic? I, I don't think so, knowing Blaine. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tune into BYU TV tonight for After Further Review, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, Brian Logan, and David Nixon will recap the game against Cal and look ahead to Saturday's game at Camp Randall Stadium. AFR tonight, 7 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Live right now from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. If you missed the show live, download the podcast or watch it by going to BYUSN.com. Experience BYU Sports Nation whenever However you prefer. Our question of the day. BYU football, 1-1 one one on the young season through two games. Why so much panic at BYU Broward's in on Twitter? It's not so much that 
we're one and one for me. That's what I was hoping for. It's the fact that some of the teams I thought we should beat going into the year, Utah State, Northern Illinois, even Hawaii, look pretty darn good. Going to be hard to get to six wins without a lot of improvement from BYU. Hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Joining us now in Studio B as part of our weekly BYU football coverage leading up to Wisconsin is dual threat analyst, all-around good man, Blaine Fowler. Welcome back to the show, Blaine. What's up, guys? Okay. Let's just go ahead and start with our Twitter question. Because <laughs> all of us, you said it, Jason said it, I said it, Jerem said it, I think Dave, Brian, David all said it. Yeah, probably one and one through the first two games. But following the Cal loss, it was like almost PTSD for the entire BYU fan base. <gasps> Is this going to be another four-win season? Oh, my goodness. Why so much panic, Blaine? I, I don't know because I'm not in a panic, but it, it surprised me because you remember back before the season started, I said if they can split the first two games, I, I feel like they'll be in a position to be bowl eligible before they get to the Utah game, at least six wins and maybe seven wins before they get to the Utah game. I don't think they're going to go. I still think that. I don't think they're going to go into the Utah game with a bowl game on the line. I think they'll already be bowl eligible. Um, and we could go through the schedule and pick out pick out the teams you know there's some if like Utah State all of a sudden is a toss-up game because they're so good but it's in Provo you know Northern Illinois I think is a really good team they showed that against Utah but it's in Provo you know so um so and the rest of those games Hawaii's in Provo too. right Hawaii. Hawaii's never won in they don't play well when they get at elevation on the road that far away from home and so so I'm still not in a panic I still think the same thing what I was surprised by was I knew that from a talent perspective they'd be very similar to both Arizona and Cal so I figured you know what if those teams are evenly matched, you go on the road, you, you probably lose that one on the road in a close game to Arizona. Then you come home and the home field advantage, which should be a touchdown advantage, takes over there to evenly matched teams and you win the one at home. That's what I thought going in. I thought they'd be one and one coming out. They would lose on the road at Arizona. They would win at home against Cal. So, so they flipped that. It doesn't concern me that much. I still feel the same way about the season that I did. And I saw some good things and I saw some bad things in that game Saturday. So... Is BYU the team that we saw at Arizona, or are they the team we saw at Cal? And, and maybe even taking it one step further, is the BYU offense the one we saw at Cal or, or at Arizona or the one we saw versus Cal? So they were, they were the same teams with one exception. So remember, in the first half of the Arizona game, BYU's offense wasn't that great. They went in at halftime, and they went on a roll in the third quarter where they dominated the time of possession. Now, the difference between the Arizona game and the Cal game is when they were dominating time of possession and pushing Arizona around the third quarter, they got down to the red zone and they scored. So three scores in that quarter. And now they distanced themselves, and, and that's, that was the difference in the ball game. Against Cal, it was different. They were dominating in the first half. I kept saying when I was doing the broadcast midway through the second quarter, man, if Cal can't balance out this time of possession thing and if BYU keeps pushing them around like this, they're going to run out of gas. Now, the difference is when BYU had big plays to get them down into scoring position, big third down conversions, fourth down conversions, when they were dominating and needed to accumulate points, whether those are field goals or touchdowns, they didn't. In the first half. That's the difference between Arizona and Cal. Cal's a little bit better defensively than Arizona is, especially in the back end. But it wasn't the defense that caused BYU to not be able to convert on those critical third and fourth downs. It was missed assignments. They had had two critical drop balls on plays that get them into the red zone and get them either a field goal or a touchdown. Um, They had a terrible overthrow 10 yards over the receiver's head 
that had first down yardage and would have put him in the red zone. And so those aren't, oh, man, Cal was just so much better that they made plays on those balls. BYU, for some reason in that game, and I don't know whether they were pressing or what was going on, they, they need to convert maybe two of the four opportunities they have. The other opportunity that I feel is a lost opportunity was they get in the second half, they start to rally just a little bit. The third quarter for Cal was much like the third quarter for BYU at Arizona, except yes. for Cal didn't accumulate enough points yep. to run away with the game, right? So BYU still had an opportunity. Then Cal fumbles the punt, and BYU gets it down in scoring territory and gets zero points out of that. you got to at least get a field goal. So, so I look at it, and I think at Arizona on the road, which is interesting, they capitalize on their opportunities. And when they're a little bit on the run, because when you're even – in terms of talent-wise, um, there's there's ebbs and flows of a game. And when you're in an up flow, you've got to accumulate points. Yeah. BYU did it at Arizona against Cal when they should have been putting Cal away in the first half and should have been 17 points in the first half if they make plays. They don't make those plays. And now Cal's turn to have their up flow in the third quarter. And where they should have been catching up to BYU, they were extending a lead on BYU. That, that's the difference in the two ball games. It's literally three or four plays. That's it. Um, and that's that's how games go when you're evenly matched. You have to make more plays against teams that have as good or better talent than you do. When you're better than teams, you can have lulls. You can you can you can miss some third down opportunities against good teams. You can't. BYU was six of seventeen on third and one of three on fourth. Few plays here and that. Literally make three of those third down conversions at critical times, and now you have a different different scenario at the end of the game. I feel like the majority of the blame on these lack of execution errors or. Uh, BYU just coming up short, not catching balls. It's all, most of it's falling on Tanner Mangum. And, and I know that people are thinking about the two late interceptions. And I'm not undervaluing that those were really, really bad errors and bad decisions. But I thought he played a pretty good first half. And I thought his receivers didn't do much to help him out in the first half. In the first half, he was good. And that's when the critical drops came, were in the first half. You know, people think of the Collie one, but there was also a Mike Asima one on a curl route that was a first down play that would have got him into the red zone. So the receivers didn't help him out in the first half. Yeah, my point is Tanner wouldn't make those or need to feel like he needed to make those throws in the second half right. if BYU capitalizes but, in the first half. And then here's the thing. When you get into the second half and the game's still close, then you can't press as a quarterback, you can't go, man, I got, I've got. i just got to go make a play. So I'm going to throw this out there even though I know it's not a high percentage opportunity. And maybe the, you, So you still have to play within yourself in the second half and stay close. And the, the turnovers hurt. Those two interceptions hurt. He had a throw in the first half where he overthrew an open receiver that would have been first down yardage. That hurt. So if he had three plays where he made bad decisions, you hope that they're not – Two of those are interceptions, right? But, but that's not too bad as a percentage of the game. So it was a collective thing. And then, you know, in that, in that third quarter, um, BYU couldn't sustain drive. Some of that, that offensive line needed to dig a little bit deeper and knock people off the ball. Squally Canada only averaged three yards of carry in that game. You know, and that's – he needs to be up over four yards of carry, hopefully over 4.5. When he's over 4.5, now that run threat forces the backers to think run first defensively and now all the play action stuff is open. If you're – if they're controlling you up front and you're only getting three yards of carry with your feature back, that changes the passing game. And so they needed to be better in the second half knocking people off the ball. In the first half, they were knocking them off the ball. They were doing a good job. And, and to Cal's credit – when they should have been exhausted, they came out in that third quarter out of the locker room and they got after it. And then the thing, defensively, BYU was pretty good. The one thing they did not do well, and I'm not so sure that, that, they, were, that they knew Garbers was going to be that good running the ball. 
Because he had some conversions when BYU had a chance to get off the field that he got with his feet. And that's the Cal's credit for right. picking the right guy. Yeah. Right. They went with him. And they said all week, we don't know, we may rotate. Well, guess what? They didn't, they didn't start their starter from last year and didn't play him a down. Right? So they said, we need to have a quarterback run game to win. They're right. They're, they're not prolific throwing the ball like the old days with Goff. They knew who they were. And they said, we're going with Garbers. And, and McElwain, we're going to run the football with. And those two guys... That is really what hurt BYU. They were able to make some conversions with a quarterback run game that, that allowed them to stay on the field and move the chains. And for them offensively, that was the difference in the ballgame. So, and I'm not so sure BYU really prepared heavily for that because they weren't expecting that. So that was great, great you know, gamesmanship and, and a game plan from Cal offensively. With that, I think BYU still played a pretty solid game defensively, forced a couple of turnovers that should have been game-changing. The offense needed to sustain some drives to give the defense a rest, especially in that second half, and it's a different outcome. They lose by three. So there's some things they could have done. They were a few plays away from being 2-0, and right? There's a few plays away. They didn't get dominated by Cal, even though it looked like it in the third quarter, because they just didn't accumulate enough points in that first half. So where are they at? They're exactly where we thought they would be, only they won the game I thought they were going to lose, and they, they lost the game that I thought they were going to win. I thought they'd be evenly matched. I still, I still think the same thing in terms of a talent perspective. All right, Blaine, I know you've got places to be. After further review to prepare for, you can watch Blaine in a brand-new episode of that tonight on BYU TV, but I want a quick answer. Give me your 15-second answer of how BYU can judge success against Wisconsin as they try and bounce back. So I don't even think success comes like, hey, we're going to go get a win. You get a win, that shocks the world, right? That's one of the biggest upsets in football this year if you do it. So it really is, can we match up with them physically? Can we come out of there and go, well, they didn't manhandle us and we stayed close? Because Wisconsin, if not the most physical, one of the two or three most physical teams in the country. And that's what BYU's hanging their hat on now. So I'm going to watch how they play up front, how those backers play. If I can come out of that game and go, you know what? They lost, but they didn't get manhandled up front. They held their own pretty well up there. Then that's, to me, success in that ball game, and not letting Wisconsin just run away with it and physically dominate them and let Taylor get nine yards of carry. Great stuff. Blaine, we always appreciate the time, my friend. Thank All you right, for guys. bringing – some needed yes. levity and perspective to they're, they're uh, I feel right, better. They were right, they're right where they were supposed to be. If I'm going to say, if, if, they're, if they're not bowl eligible going into the Utah game, I'll be surprised. And, you know, if they have a bunch of injuries or something like that, that changes it. But if they stay healthy, which they have through two games, there isn't any reason they should either have six or seven wins going into the Utah game and not have the pressure of having to win when you really look at that schedule. So I still, I still feel like they're fine. The man has spoken. Give the viewers a flex real fast. Well, I got a long. No, sh- no, I, got a, no. I, got, I got a longer shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> well, veto, veto, veto. Because I got a concealed weapons permit, so the guns can stay under here. You know, normally oh, I have to show them, goodness. but it's concealed weapons permit now. Jason, read the tease. Read the tease. Coming up, <laughs> Braden O'Bakery tells us what BYU's biggest challenge will be in facing Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, I've never been able to do it. Well, at least he hasn't admitted that I've been able to do it. But between the lines, we'll try and change Jerem Jordan's mind next. Full-scale investigation. Now Lauren there it is. is flexing her muscles. There what is go. happening in Studio B? This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> going to break. We roll it along, BYU Sports Nation, and now move to today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The Cougars will travel to Camp Randall in Madison, Wisconsin Saturday afternoon to take on 6th ranked Wisconsin. BYU head coach Kalani Sitake says this Badger team is even better than the team that beat BYU 40-6 last year. Oh, they're stronger. Yeah, so they 
they actually have more guys that that have that, uh, they have guys that started against us that are backups now. So they have more uh, experience on the line of scrimmage, and they're big and they're physical. So this would be a, a great test for us, you know. Kickoff set for 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 Mountain on ABC and ESPN. Radio pregame begins at 1.30 Eastern on BYU Thank Radio you. with Jason Shepard. Countdown to kickoff begins at 2.30 Eastern, live on BYU TV. To the NFL, Ziggy Ansah had a sack, three solo tackles, a tackle for loss, and a quarterback hit in the Detroit Lions' 48-17 home loss to the New York Football Jets. On Monday Night Football. Maybe we should call BYU Women's Volleyball Gmo Dashen because they are the lonely master at the top. The JETS 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 looked really good on offense. Yes, they did. Uh, BYU Women's Volleyball ranked number one in the AVCA coaches poll for the first time since 1986. 8-0 with wins over three top 25 ranked teams. They get a fourth top 25 team when Utah visits the Smithfield House on Thursday. And honorary Cougar Tony Finau has been named to the Ryder Cup team. Finau was the final pick by U.S. Captain Jim Furyk. We now welcome in Lauren McLean to Studio B as we present something that I would probably dub as the impossible challenge, <laughs> and that is to change Jerem Jordan's mind. What? And even if you kind of do, I don't think that he would ever admit it. No, I don't think so either, especially if it's you. Oh, absolutely. You throw in that factor, good luck. Yeah, I knew you missed him today. So we wanted wanted to give him a little bit of a cameo. Okay. So you can't change his mind, but we thought maybe some of the students on campus could change his mind. Okay. So we set up a booth, we brought him on, and uh, we had a bunch of random students come and try to change Uh his mind. You can can only imagine what happened. Full-scale investigation. That's right. Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. This is BYU TV Sports Change My Mind with our own Jerem Jordan. Hi. Is it possible to change your mind? No. All right, we're going to find out right now with some students on campus. Let's bring them up. Come on over. One thing, but it's a ball. Hold on. Let me wipe this. Tear up. I'm Jerem. Jerem Spencer. Nice to Spencer, nice to meet you. Oh, Spencer. My co-host here is this weird-looking dude named Spencer. Yeah, I'm better looking now. <laughs> All right, the BYU football schedules are too tough. Change my mind. The only way we ever will win a national championship ever again is if we have a tough, tough schedule. Half of it's too hard and half of it's too easy. I mean, we do have years where we're capable of, of hanging with these really good teams. No, you don't want to lose every game, obviously, but you want to stay relevant. I, w- I think winning is the most relevant thing. After the season, we don't go, hey, how fun was the season? We go... How many wins did we have, right? I would like BYU to play two or three Power 5 teams, and then they might win nine or ten games and get ranked and relevant. What do you think? That makes sense to me. That's not a... Did I just change your mind? wasn't hard. (laughs) Rudy is the greatest sports movie ever. Change my mind. I don't think that Rudy is the best sports movie of all time. Uh, Do you feel like another sports movie is better? Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. Oh, let's go to Remember the Titans. It made me cry. Every year there's a team that can relate to Remember the Titans. The music. One of the best soundtracks for a sports movie. I just like Rudy more because most of us aren't star players, right? I can relate to that guy. My thing is... Where's the racial integration? Where's the changing of the social landscape of the United States? Let's see about people, I guess, coming from low to high. Let's look at, oh, Julius Campbell, Gary Bertier. We have a whole team of Rudys. My real issue with Remember the Titans is on the last play, on a, what is it, like a double reverse? Take take 42 blast with backside George reverse. Like your life depended on it, like this. Wow. On that double reverse. 
there were guys just unrealistically out of position tackling. And, and was it Ryan Reynolds? Huge liability on defense. Uh, okay. Those are my major I, issues. I 100% agree with that. Ladies, ladies are loving this, man. I, I, they don't know him he, as a linebacker. He couldn't cover a single person out there. No. But the one thing on that play, Coach Jokes yeah. learns to listen to Coach Boone, and he says, hey, they're, they're, uh, they're pushing really hard. They're flowing with the, with the play. So he's saying, you got to throw something they're not expecting. So that was completely out of the playbook. Schematically, Schematically this was, that was a great, exactly. great decision. Yeah. This man changed my mind. Remember the Titans is the greatest sports film of all time. Congratulations. Hey. You changed my mind. Great to meet you. Listen, the Marriott Center is just too big. Changed my mind. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think it's a perfect size for a lot of things, as much as we want to believe. It's not entirely a basketball venue. Most of the time, I think it's just a little too big. There's too many empty seats. But maybe we need to open it up and just just with the empty seats, kind of like fill it in and then like curtain off the top. You don't have to curtain anything off if it's small enough. You just can't get rid of the upper deck. It's there. So what's there really to argue here? Sweet, sweets? Sweets? See what I'm talking boxes. about? Boxes. Boxes? Now we're talking. We can compromise on boxes. Middle, you didn't change my mind, but I really appreciate you coming over here, Luke. Well, I think, married man. no, but I think I helped you innovate. I mean, I'm in school right now, so I kind yeah. of worked your brain. Yes. You don't think my that. brain's working? No, I helped you to get there. <laughs> <laughs> so... I heard that someone actually changed your mind from Rudy being the best sports movie ever. I had a great argument for Remember the Titans as the greatest sports film. When I watch Rudy, I know that I'm always like, man, I'm ready to go out and do anything. I can Yard work. Yeah. You know, Community service. Chem 105 homework. Ministering. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And so I think that's why Rudy is the greatest of all time is because it motivates us to go and do what Rudy did. Just having the music play in my head. Yeah. I'm seeing Rudy on the field. Rudy. Rudy, 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 Rudy. You convinced me. I'm back. There we go. You changed my mind. I like that. Change your mind. I'm back. Jerem. Let's go, boy. Rudy is the greatest sports film of all time. All right, Jeremy, we wrap this up. Did anyone change your mind? One guy changed my mind temporarily on Remember the Titans, but then it was changed back. I noticed that nobody argued against Jim McMahon being the greatest QB of all time. There's no argument. Well, I mean, that's debatable because I think it's Steve Young. What? Changed his mind. Ah, uh, yes. Sort of. Well, sort yeah, of. yeah, yeah. See, that that's well played on your part, okay, to make people think that it actually happened when you yeah. knew it was going to bring it back around. That's right. He's a flip flopper. Come on. He is a flip flopper. Well, you should never be a. Maybe he should be a politician. <laughs> oh, oh, please no. <laughs> Next week on Between the Lines, we're doing a segment called Har and Lar with Harvey Umna. That's right. He came up with that name. Don't oh boy. We're going to go on campus and do some awesome stuff. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at BYU underscore BTL. All right. I just want to point out, uh, if you like the T-shirt that Lauren Frankham is wearing, the complete fall he meant collection. To say Lauren Frankham McLean. Lauren McLean. Oh, <laughs> well, a year and a half later, Spence. But yeah, anyway, you know, yes. The, the shirt, shirt that Lar is wearing. The- Lar. Yeah. Not hard, but Lar. Yeah, I blame you for that. You sent me back e- <laughs> eons. Okay, the entire fall collection of Nike gear is available at the BYU store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Great T-shirt, great segment. We appreciate uh, your efforts with Between the Lines. Thanks, guys. Lauren and, and go Sandlot. F- McLean. Go Sandlot. No, no, it's Lauren f- McLean. <laughs> Lauren f- McLean. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, Here we go. Peace. Coming up, Braden L. Bakri making... His second appearance on BYU ah, Sports yes. Nation. What does he think is the biggest challenge Wisconsin will present after he has now closely reviewed film of the sixth-ranked Badgers? Interesting to hear. 
the travel size lineman's perspective on all of it. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. Between the Lines is presented by Tim Daly Ford and the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight at 8 Eastern, you can watch and listen to BYU football. Kalani Satake is a... Greg Rubel hosts with the head coach of the BYU Cougars. You can tune in again tonight, 8 Eastern, on BYU TV, BYU Radio, as well as the X. If some travel size lineman is good, <laughs> more is better. Braden L. Bakri, we are two-on-one with the fullback to recap Cal and look ahead to the most interesting and most challenging part of facing Wisconsin. Okay, Braden, now that you've had a weekend to kind of process what happened against Cal, what are you feeling on Monday as your team says they're going to get back to work. Uh, just feeling excited to be able to, you know, be here and do the things that we need to to correct the mistakes that, you know, ultimately led to the loss on Saturday. What was the most, uh, some of the moments that were most impactful for you where you say, okay, we got to be better in these situations? Um, I think we had a lot of, you know, three and outs, which was just kind of stinky because, you know, we try all week to establish drives and establish the, you know, line of scrimmage, but it's really hard to do when you go three and out. So I I feel like, you know, we'll work on our third down conversions a lot this week. What was the best thing the offense did after film review uh, on Saturday night? Um, I feel like, you know, early in the game, we moved the ball pretty good. But we kept shooting ourselves in the foot, so to say. But I think overall the best things that we were able to do is we picked up the blitzes pretty good, I feel like. And the running backs really did a great job, and the linemen too, on pass protection, which is something we had worked on all week. So I was really glad to see that happen. A lot of the rhetoric last week was how dominating the offensive line was. Um, So what kind of differences did you see this week, either by what BYU didn't do or what Cal did? Um. I feel like they still dominated very well, but some of the communications weren't there. So it was, you know, domination of these three guys, and then we would miss a guy, but domination on the backside. And there was just, you know, a couple of times where there was unblocked people getting squally still in the backfield, which, you know, is a bummer and everything. And But, you know, in the end, I feel like our O-line still played really well, and they were able to control the line of scrimmage because those guys are big beasts, and, and you know, they're going to get their jobs done. They, we just need to you know, execute a little bit better and get the communication down. What causes those types of miscommunications? Um, I mean, it depends on the situation, obviously, but I think Cal did a really good job of, you know, pre-snap switches and moving up their fronts and, you know, switching things off when we went fast tempo. They would switch out of the D that they were in the play before and bring pressure off the edges, which, you know, we're going to have to be able to realize that we have to make different calls rather than, you know, against Arizona, they would line up in the same stuff before we did our fast call and after, which was really making big plays for us. But we have to be able to make those in-game adjustments. You caught a touchdown pass. Uh, have you caught a touchdown pass at BYU? Remind me. Yeah, I have. One? Uh, I think two. So for a total of three now? Yes. Nice. Okay. So that throw wasn't the easiest ball to catch. Can you describe what you had to do to make that happen? Um, I, it was just, you know, a play – we, against Arizona, we had run a lot of uh, our outside zone play. And, you know, I think the D-end thought I was coming to hit him. And right before I got to him, you know, he put his head down and, for a collision like usual. And I just was able to slip out and Mangum put it where it needed to be, and I was able to reel it in. 
Braden Bakri with us, uh, recapping what happened between B- BYU and Cal. Now and you, he has three touchdown catches, by the way. Now he has three touchdown yeah. catches. <laughs> <laughs> now you turn your attention to Wisconsin, and that's always a tough mental switch because you're frustrated. You feel like you should have won that game. You did, but now you've got to go play a top-10 team in the country. What's the number one thing that jumps off the page about Wisconsin? Number one thing is I think we have to be able to you know, control their inside 3D linemen. Um, because, you know, besides that, we can make it up to the backers and be able to do our things. But, you know, that upfront vertical push is what we were going to really need. Last year, uh, this was a tough game at home, a 40-6 to loss. So what kind of difference do you see in the team that played Wisconsin last year versus this team right now for BYU? Um, I feel like there's a lot more accountability personally and, you know, each player has their own things that they're personally going to work on. And then the coaches also hold us to a you know, gigantic standard of what needs to be done. And everybody gets their grades after the game, and a lot of them are going to be negative. But it's going to help us realize what we personally need to work on after practice, you know, away from the time that every other team is still practicing. You know, what are we going to put in ourselves to make it better? And I feel like that's just something that's, you know, changed from last year to this year. Do you have to do up-downs for things that happen in a game? In Monday's practice, um, I I don't know. Did you last week? Did you like after the Arizona? It's like, hey, uh, we had a we, well, you didn't turn the ball over, I guess. So, but drops and whatever, like false starts and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure we did, but I don't remember up downs. I just do them. So <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we did or didn't. Yes, yes. Clearly, yeah. you are doing a lot, a lot of. You're doing more than we are. Yes, yeah, for sure. True. Now, Kalani Satake alluded to what, what he said to the team uh, after the game was, look, I'm proud of how hard you played. And the effort was definitely there. Clearly you need to be more efficient. What was the message from Jeff Grimes specifically as the offensive coordinator? Because we haven't heard a lot about that. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's going to address this again today. But he just told us at halftime and other things that you know we weren't giving it our best go. I mean, you always can give effort, but... You know, there's a difference between punching a brick wall, you know, or punching, you know, where you're supposed to to get through. So, I mean, you just have to be able to have great effort like we did, but also be tactical about it. How much cheese will you consume this weekend? <laughs> Probably not a lot. I won't be able to run. <laughs> yes. Measured in your cheese consumption. That's that's a upper class one right there. Yeah. All right, Braden. Uh, what can BYU fans expect from BYU when they show up at Camp Randall on Saturday? Um, you guys can expect that we're going to give it our all and we're going to try to make you guys proud. That's all you can ask for. Thanks, Braden. Yep. Thanks, guys. And cheese. Oh, <laughs> oh well, well, you got to get the cheese. I've got there, a cheese right? sandwich upstairs I'm going to have for lunch. So, And I'm not kidding. It's really what I'm having for lunch. <laughs> Of course, Jerem would ask that question. <laughs> Coming up, a rise and shout to an honorary Cougar. And Ziggy Ansah continues to earn his paycheck for the Detroit Lions. Even though it was ugly last night, he did his part. This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to today's guests, Blaine Fowler, Lauren McLean, and Braden L. Bakri. If you missed any of today's show, download the podcast. Go to BYUSN.com to watch full episodes. And uh, thanks to the photo behind Spencer and Jerem during the two-on-one interview, we did have time for Dennis Pitta, <laughs> which makes me happy. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. The Cougars traveling to Camp Randall Stadium this Saturday to take on number six, Wisconsin. Kickoff is at 3.30 Eastern time. Cougars in the NFL. Ziggy Ansah of the Detroit Lions had a sack. 
three solo tackles and a tackle for loss, not to mention a quarterback hit in his debut at the Lions in 2018. They lost 48-17, but hey, Ziggy's doing his thing. Volleyball. BYU Women's Volleyball is ranked number one for the first time since 1986. Great year. The previously ranked number one and number two teams in the nation both lost this weekend, leaving the door open for the Cougars. Basketball. BYU basketball will hold walk-on tryouts on September 18th and 19th in the Marriott Center Annex. So is that why Jerem asked for those days off? Jerem? Oh, students only. Okay. Cougars in the Major League. Taylor Cole pitched four innings yesterday, giving up zero hits, zero runs, while striking out three in a 5-2 to two loss to the Texas Rangers. Today's rise and shout goes to honorary Cougar Tony Finau for being named to the USA Ryder Cup team as the final captain's pick. Finau joins Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, and Tiger Woods as Furyk's four wildcard selections. Finau has 11 top 10 finishes this season, including three in majors. boy, Tony. Our question of the day, Jason. BYU is 1-1 one one in football. Why so much panic? At Colonel underscore James 83 on Twitter. Because BYU was coming off a high from the Arizona win and because the play on the field against Cal looked eerily similar to last year's play and because we thought a win against Cal was a lock. Hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right uh, there with you. April on Facebook says, who's panicking? I expected one-on-one at the start, but Arizona win was way too hyped up. I believe BYU has what it takes to win six games. The boys just need to gel more and execute. All right, our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, celebrating 50 years at S underscore era Fippin on Instagram. I'm guessing her name is Sarah. We know we have the potential to be really good, just like in the first game. Okay, so is that – I'm taking that Sarah is not – Not panicking. panicking. Sarah not is not panicking. panicking. All right. She likes what she saw against Arizona. Cal was a, was a bump in the road, and it's moving on. Okay. The future is always bright. Yes, but how do you move on against the sixth-ranked team in the country? Hey, by the way, 1986, last time BYU Women's Volleyball was ranked number one in the country, right? Okay, without looking, Jason, mm-hmm. can you tell me uh, three of the top ten songs from 1986? Well, I know Walk Like an Egyptian was 1987 because I had something. <laughs> no, 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 86. Okay. Really? The Bengals, 86. Something Walk from like an Whitney Houston, right? <laughs> I'm the, looking. I'm the looking. conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. I can't believe you didn't go with Glory of Love by Peter Cetera. It's one of my favorite songs of all time from Karate Kid 2. Or Papa Don't Preach from Madonna. <laughs> Love glory. Papa, don't preach. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Eric Lane, BYU Sports Nation, back to work tomorrow at noon Eastern. <laughs> I'm pregnant.